This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to uh, patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Mm-hmm. And the reason this is coming to you later than usual is all sorts of reasons having to do with bad weather uh-huh. and airplanes. Uh-huh. But Jessica, you have just returned from California. How was your trip? It was great. I literally got back two hours ago. Congrats. Um, I'm extremely tired. Um, Welcome it to the was- cold. Yeah, man. When I left here, it was like 50 degrees. And then I stepped out from Midway today, and it was just a rude awakening. (laughs) Plus, it was 70 degrees in LA, and everybody's wearing their full fucking winter regalia, and it made me extremely angry. But my trip was super fun, super incredible. I did all kinds of fun touristy stuff. I went on a horseback ride. Um, Not to the Hollywood sign, as I thought, but to a view of the Hollywood sign, which was extremely fun. Um... I saw both Doug Loves Movies and um, Love It or Leave It. So if you as listen in to, live shows, of yeah, those. They, I'm sorry. They, I saw them being recorded. So if you listen to those, you'll probably hear my shrieking laughter. <laughs> also, I gave the uh, a name for um, for Doug Loves Movies, and most importantly, bearing the lead. I canned three awesome interviews, which I'm extremely excited about. One um, is already up on Patreon with Cameron Esposito, who is a a comic, an actor, a writer. She is somebody I have looked up to for a long time. She started a... um, a stand a women's stand up class thing that I took, which was kind of my entrance into comedy. So that is already up on Patreon right now. I interviewed Parvesh China, who is an actor who you might know from Friday um, or um, Outsourced, um, and he happens to happen to have gone to high school with my husband. Um, and so we talked a lot about. So with Cameron, we talked a lot about like queer representation and media. We shockingly talked a lot about the royal family. With Parvesh, we talked a lot about his experience growing up being basically brown and gay in L.A. and in the Naperville area and kind of what that looked like and how that shaped him. And last night, so my I was supposed to fly in Friday morning. No, Friday afternoon I was supposed to leave. I got to the airport. They canceled my flight. On Friday afternoon, they couldn't get my husband and I flight out together until Sunday morning. So, which was unfortunate. There's worse places to be stuck. But, sorry, Daddy just got home and she's sort of seeking attention. Um, But, because of the scheduling, um, I got to, I've been trying to schedule an interview with Guy Branham, who is another... um, Another comedian whom I followed for a long time. He was on Chelsea Lately, um, had the show Talk Show, The Game Show. Um, he has a book, My Life is a Goddess, which was incredible. Um, so I got to sit down yesterday with him in his apartment and chatted. We talked a lot about cats, so <laughs> um, I would maybe maybe recommend watching that before you listen. It'll make more sense. But we, The it was movie Cats. The movie Cats. Not the, actual the, cats. The 2019 film Cats. If you want to call it a film. Okay. I absolutely will. We talk a lot about it, and soon I'm going to record a bonus episode with my best friend Leslie um, and talk all about it. It's going to be very good. So if you want those episodes, <laughs> they will be up on Patreon yes. only, and after like a week or so, we'll post them to the main feed. Yeah. And I got to have dinner with Ross Blotcher from Ono, Ross and Carrie, and his family. We didn't record a podcast because sometimes I just want to talk to people off mic. <laughs> We, we got dinner together. It's lovely. His wife and son are, are wonderful people. Is this where you just, like, talk trash about me? Just constantly. Yeah. Almost, almost, like, unstoppably. Um, I will also say this. I was very much offline for, for most of the week. I 
sat in a bar and watched the debates on mute and then ended up reading because that was too hard to follow. Um, other than that, I really haven't followed the news except for like when I saw Love It or Leave It, they do like a weekly recap. So I'm a feeling just like pretty emotionally vulnerable, vulnerable right now. I'm very tired. I'm very sleepy. And I feel like I'm going to get a lot of bad news in the next hour. Oh, yeah. My work here. I got you covered. <laughs> So let's talk about, oh, before I do, I do want to thank some of our newer Patreon donors, including Ralph A., Eliza C., and Brendan H. Thank you so much for your support. Let's let's start with this one because it probably infuriated me and also didn't surprise me at all. Okay. Here's the setup. There is a private Christian school. I believe it's in Kentucky. It's Whitefield Academy, K-12. to It's everybody. So it's called Whitefield? It is called Whitefield. <laughs> And the girl's mom, there's a girl, 15-year-old girl at the school. Her mom must have posted a picture from the girl's birthday party on Facebook. Okay. The picture is the girl, like, just smiling at the camera with the cake in front of her saying 15. Uh It's a multicolored cake, like, with the, like, flowers on the outside made of icing. And different colors, so it's cute. Uh And she's wearing a sweater that has, like, striped colors on it as well. Uh Uh-huh. And so she posted that picture, and then she got a letter from the school's leader saying, yeah, we're going to expel your daughter. Why? Why, Why? would you expel Wait, my daughter? let me see the cake. Is it with the cake on? I'm coming around to look at the picture. Yeah, go. Go. Come look at this picture. Uh, it's just a picture of a cake. Oh, it's a cute cake. It is a cute cake. It's, it's just nice. Because I mean, picture. Yeah. Right. So okay. why did they expel this girl for nothing? The answer, according to the email, is that the picture, quote, demonstrates a posture of morality and cultural acceptance contrary to that of Whitefield Academy's beliefs. Okay, I just looked at the picture. I kind of want to look again, but I don't think I will see what they see. Yeah, basically, they assume that because she's wearing a sweater with rainbow color stripes and has a rainbow colored cake, she is somehow pro-LGBTQ, if not that herself. Whoa. And that is their tipping point. <laughs> that is quite a leap they yeah. took. Now, I'm not telling you the whole story here oh. yet. It, it doesn't get much worse or anything. Okay. But, like, no, that really is what they were saying. They're like, well, you know, we know what a rainbow means. We know what that you know what a rainbow means. And clearly, this is too far. I thought there was a whole Christian thing about taking back the rainbow. Let's discuss that for a moment. (laughs) Like, Ken Ham is a perfect example of this, where he has said, like, if you look on the side of Ark Encounter during these cold months, you will see this light display of a rainbow on the side of the Ark. And he said, the rainbow represents, quote, the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. It's like the sign God sent to Noah. Noah letting yeah. him know, look, things hey, are going to be okay. Hey, now. I know I killed everyone on the planet, but like <laughs> but now things are pinky fine. swear I won't do it again. Right. <laughs> and so like, yeah, there are Christians who are like, no, the rainbow is ours. It's the gays who hijacked it from us. And apparently these I mean, Christians. I think the Hindus probably thought that about the swastika for a while, but you kind of have to give up the fight at yeah. some point. The religion I was raised in also uses the swastika oh, really? as a symbol of peace one of the other religions where it was co-opted for mm-hmm. something much like actually awful. Is swastika, a, this is such yeah. an ignorant question, is swastika a 
Hindu word or is it a German word? I am not sure the answer to that. I don't want to Google that because I don't yeah. need cops at my door. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so they, they expelled this girl. There's like no appeals process because why would there be? It's a Christian it's, school. It's, it's a private they school? Say. It is a private school. Fuck, dude, this um, poor girl. Now, here's, the, here's what they said. They said it's not Funny. just because of the rainbow sweater. Oh. It also involves two years of lifestyle violations, quote unquote, like basically saying, look, she's already been on our list for a while, but this was the tipping point. And again, the fact that it was a tipping point is a problem. But okay, if you go back, what is it that she got in trouble for in the past? Yeah. Apparently, the story is this girl was caught with jewel pods (laughs) in her backpack. (laughs) Like the e-cigarettes? Yeah, she was like vaping. What a fucking rebel. (laughs) I know, right? So she was vaping or something. And basically, at the time, like, okay... It's uh, I, I, it's weird for me to say this. It's like, really, that's your biggest problem with this girl? Uh, right. But also, I get that the school doesn't want kids to do that because public schools are the same way. But here's what yeah. they did. The school contacted her mother about it, as they probably would in any school. Sure. And both sides, the administrators and the mom, said, let's put her on, quote, probation. You know, like, we'll, we'll watch her closely. If she fucks up again, uh-huh. now we'll make her in trouble. Now she'll get in real trouble. Yeah. Which is totally a fine way to handle it if your kid does something you don't want them to do. And the school is saying that wearing that rainbow sweater while on probation was that tipping point. So in their head, see, there's a rhyme and reason to all this, but also... Was that the only other thing? Was the jewel thing? Uh, That's all they said in the the public square anyway. Like, like the mom said, look, she got in trouble for this thing in the past, but in no world does wearing a rainbow sweater mean you should expel my child. And then she told local newspapers... Basically saying, like, well, I have no other recourse. She's not going back to that school. Sure. So you know what? I'm going to tell the world what they did. Yeah, good. Good. (laughs) Um, So I should say, this may have all worked out for the best. I don't know what the girl's going through. I don't know if she sees this as a, good, I'm at another school. It's all right. I don't know if she wanted to go there. Honestly, I don't even know what she thinks about LGBTQ people. For all I know, they are an anti-gay family that wore a rainbow sweater, and this is really a weird misunderstanding. Right. Um, but now she is at a public school. I don't know where. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But that's what her mom said. The, they said they appealed the decision. The appeal was rejected. Hmm. Um, they, the schools only will give you this, uh-huh. is that they said we won't write, write down expulsion on her permanent record. Oh. We'll say, quote, voluntary withdrawal, if that <laughs> makes it any better. I don't know how it does. But she's at a public school now. So where did you say this was? This Wh- was Kentucky. Like where in Kentucky? Then? Ah, I'll find the city. Okay. It's somewhere. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So are you going to go there? No, I just, uh, well, I like to hear about, because uh, my friend is lives in Louisville and is from Hancock County. So I. <laughs> Party. If, uh, if something egregious happens there, I like to text her. If <laughs> someone wore a rainbow sweater, yeah, shit's exactly. going down. <laughs> so that was probably the weirdest yeah, like, that's bizarre. Even as a Christian fundamentalist, is like, really? That's what you're getting mad over? Yeah, because it's there not are like real she problems was, like, in the world and participating in a gay rights march, or right. which maybe she was, and they just didn't cite that for whatever reason. They didn't say it. That is pretty bananas, crazy. Uh, let's talk about the 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 two popes and their fight. They're fighting. Wait, the real two popes. The, or the real show? two popes, okay. not the show. 
are kind of in this passive aggressive fight. Uh-huh. And here's why. Basically, when Benedict the Sixteenth stepped down, mm-hmm. he I don't remember if he said this for real, but he basically said, I'm not gonna criticize my successor. Yeah, it's the same thing presidents do. Like, listen, you guys have someone new now. I'm going to leave my voice out of it. Well, and it's right? so unusual to have a pope who's, who's still living. down, who's still alive. Right. Usually they end their service as pope because they're dead. Right. Not Ratzinger. Um, so anyway, Pope Benedict is out, but he just, uh, a book just came out that lists Pope Benedict as a co-author, which okay. is fine. He sure. can do what he wants. And one of the things in that book is that it criticizes Pope Francis hmm. for being too progressive on the issue of celibacy. And here's the backstory there. We've talked about this before. If you go to like the Amazon in South America, mm-hmm. there's a huge shortage of priests mm-hmm. in that region. And if you don't have priests, you can't do anything. So one of the ways that has been suggested, and it hasn't, I don't think it's happened yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think Pope Francis has said, I'm good on this, I'm signing off on it, uh-huh. but it's being considered, sure. is that what if we allow for priests who are not virgins, mm-hmm. who are not celibate, maybe they have families and lives, and normally, in the U.S., let's say, we would say, nope, you can't be a priest. You can do other things in the Catholic Church, yeah. but you can't be a priest because mm-hmm. we have rules for what that means. Mm-hmm. But in the Amazon, they're saying, look, we need more people. We're not finding celibate guys mm-hmm. who we need down here, so let's open the door a sure. little bit. So that's being considered. And Pope uh, Benedict, the old pope, is saying, how dare you even consider that as an option? Right. You're basically cheapening what it means to be a pope. And so this book came out. A priest. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. What it means to be a priest. Uh, this book came out January 15th. And here's the thing. After a local a French newspaper published excerpts from the book, it was pretty clear, like, oh, well, this book includes criticism of what the church is doing now, mm-hmm. and Benedict is listed as a co-author. Interesting. Let's put two and two together. He's basically trashing the current pope, huh. so papal fight. Cool. Yeah. Now, oh. in response to all this, Pope Benedict has basically said, take my name off of this book. I don't want to be listed as a co-author, okay. and maybe that's a better... Thing Like, take my name off of it, take my photograph off of it. Like, he knew his name would be on there. He knew he'd be attached to this. Um, but they, they... And he's also said, like, I was misled into thinking my role in this book. And basically, the other author is like, I didn't deceive anybody. Mm, and I bet it's really hard for a Catholic leader to feel so deceived and let down <laughs> by, by others. Yes, this is... And this is the thing they get upset about mm-hmm. um and plenty of the publishing house is like we didn't do anything wrong here he knew what he signed up for uh they said the publisher one of the publishers said there's no doubt that pope benedict wrote the section the catholic priesthood and whatever so priest fight hilarious i'm sorry that is like the biggest this is not a criticism of you that was the biggest fucking nothing burger of a story <laughs> i've ever heard in my entire life yes one Pope might have said this thing and the other Pope was like, oh, and like, that was the story you just told me. I promise you it's the, it's the thing the Catholic church wants people to talk about when it comes to the Catholic church. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So real issue in Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, This is happening because now the legislature is back in session. People are filing bills left and right so they can debate them, get them maybe signed into law. 
Um, one of the bills, Senate Concurrent Resolution 7, uh, from a Republican, mm-hmm. it would declare 2020 the year of the Bible, which is a thing we've seen before. Brother, but I, haven't we but had this one every year? That's Here's my question. If 2020 is the year of the Bible, what was last year? What was the year before? What was the year before? What's next year going to be? Because I know some Satanists. Yeah, can who... we like submit to be like the year of the Quran and just like I know. see how that fucking goes? Yeah. And, and by the way, the resolution doesn't you know, say let's honor the Bible because it has influence throughout history. Mm-hmm. It says very specifically, like, whereas renewing our knowledge of and faith in God through Holy Scripture can strengthen us as a state, nation, and a people... Like, therefore, be it resolved, blah, blah, blah. It says our national need to study and apply the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. This is not just symbolic. This is saying, like, the Bible's the book. No other book matters. No other book. If you replace this stuff with the Quran or any other book, mm-hmm. they would never let it slide. I'm obviously. looking through my 2019 books to see what I want to submit for my book of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the obvious choice is uh, red, white, and royal blue, which I did manage to bring up in all three interviews because I'm skilled that way. Which the book that, that I'm constantly talking about, about the son of the president who falls in love with the oh, prince. Jesus Don't Christ. facepalm me. At least two listeners have started listening, started, read that book on my, uh, on my <laughs> recommendation and both really enjoyed it. So A, suck it. B, yes. I'm going to submit it for the 2020 book of the year or uh, whatever thing of the year. will reject it in Oklahoma. In Pennsylvania, they did this too, I believe, like years ago. It's not an unusual thing to just say it's the year of my holy book and not mm-hmm. yours. Um, but it's just one of those, like, it's still happening. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like, no one's going to hear about the Bible unless Oklahoma legislators say it's this year. Let's just do Oklahoma Bible parties all year. Yeah, no to hotels. No one <laughs> in Oklahoma has heard of the Bible, or, apparently. Yeah, I actually... Noted secular state Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's not symbolic. This No one would allow this so sort of thing. Don't, like... It's exhausting, and I know there's other shit to worry about, but, like, who, like, do you have that much free time on your hands? Like, to me, this is yes. the equivalent. Did you ever work in a restaurant? No. You Not a real it. restaurant. Uh, like, a weird, it's a weird restaurant Did I worked Did you ever in. have a boss say to you, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean? Oh, nice. Yeah, it's the fucking worst. But anyway, I'm going to think of a clever rhyme that says... If you have time to submit dumb laws that declare the Bible, 2020, the year of the Bible, you have time to, you know, work towards ending homelessness or protecting women's rights or something. But it's going to be pissy. Worst hike whoever, but I get the idea. (laughs) Uh, I got, okay, I'll give you another serious one and then I promise I'll get to something more lighthearted. Sure. Okay. So I think we've brought this up before, but. Focus on the family. How would you categorize focus on the family? Hate group. More specific. Uh, Christian, fundamentalist, anti-LGBT, hate group. Nonprofit? Oh, no idea. Probably. It is a nonprofit. Okay. Um, and to me, forever now, like it's, okay, that's the Christian nonprofit that hates on gay people. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of nonprofits out there. There's whatever, Planned Parenthood. There's mm-hmm. all the separation of church and state groups. Fine. Mm-hmm. And the thing about nonprofits, according to the IRS, is if you want to be a nonprofit and you fill out the application and you get a confirmation from us, it means people can donate to you and write it off on their taxes. And you're a tax-exempt organization. You don't have to pay taxes on it. 
um, that's all good. We want to reward you for being a nonprofit group. That's okay. awesome. The problem that atheists have been pointing out very much, especially in the past couple of years, is that churches are also nonprofits. Oh, by the way, the government also says if you want to be a nonprofit, you don't get to endorse candidates. You can't tell people how to vote for. By all means, tell them these are our issues Mm -hmm. and here's how the candidates stand on our issues. Mm -hmm. Far cry from saying everyone go vote for the Republican. Okay. Churches are also nonprofits. But for some reason... They have their own set of rules. They have their own set of rules, and it includes, you don't have to tell us who's giving you money or where your money is going. Mm -hmm. You don't have to fill out the same paperwork that other nonprofits have to fill out. And this has been a source of lawsuits for a few years now. Mm -hmm. Atheists have never gotten anywhere with it yet, anywhere like where that's going to change. But here's the interesting thing. Focus on the Family is one of several Christian nonprofit groups That in the past several years, they have written to the IRS saying, hey, we want to change our status from a regular nonprofit to a church. Oh, that sounds familiar. This has been ongoing, yeah? This has been ongoing. And here's the thing. The IRS says, well, if you want to be a church, there are some rules. John Oliver pointed this Mm -hmm. out when he did his whole segment on televangelists, Mm -hmm. because they're a church as well. Mm -hmm. It's like things like, well, you got to meet every week. You got to have a chain of command, like a leadership and stuff like that. And here's what Focus on the Family uh, basically said. They said... Um, Well, we're a church because, I want to make sure I get this right, they said, we have ministers, they're our employees, and we totally uh, meet every week because our cafeteria is a chapel-teria where the congregation meets daily. Could you hear my eyes roll on mic? Yes. And then they said, we do have a place of worship um, it's, Earth, planet Earth. It's the cafeteria. Oh. They also said our board of directors are the elders in the church, okay. and our president is the head deacon and the elder. So and you can just, words can mean whatever you want them to yes, now, huh? Yes, if you're a Christian. Um, and the people who listen to their radio programs, because they have a bunch of radio shows, they're an extension of the congregation. It's like their missionary work. Uh, basically, this is how they justify to the IRS, we're a church. Call us a church. Give us the perks of Mm -hmm. a church. Which kind of leads me to question, like, what do they want that churches have? And really, the thing churches have is anonymity in terms of... There you go. You figured it out. I'm extremely smart and only tiny bit jet (laughs) lagged. So basically, the IRS said, okay, we'll call you a church. And yes, with that comes things like a regular nonprofit has to list who its biggest donors are. They have to explain mm-hmm. what the salaries are of their major staffers. Mm-hmm. So they just dropped a huge curtain around their, yes. their inner workings. So Focus on the Family no longer has to tell anybody what its leaders make, or more importantly, who's giving them money. Yeah. That's the big thing. And here's what the Washington Post reported this week. Now everybody's doing this. A lot of Christian groups are now going along with this, and they're all becoming churches. So, do you think, did you ever expect in your entire life to be sitting at a table and thinking, wow, the IRS really needs to, like, strengthen up and really needs to get their house in order so they can take care, like, how am I on the side of the IRS at this point? Like. Dude, I am so for the IRS these days. They need more money. They need more staffers. They need all of that. 
Because the IRS isn't the problem. If you don't like where your taxes are going, that's mm-hmm. not the IRS's problem. You just want some, like, oversight. And there's no oversight with groups like this. Yeah. In hindsight, the movie Stranger Than Fiction was pro-IRS propaganda. Did you see that movie? No. It's very good. Will Ferrell, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Emma Townsend, Queen Latifah. It's extraordinarily good. You should watch it. I'll take your word for that. We have it downstairs. I'll loan it to you. <laughs> but yeah, now it's not just Do focus. you own a DVD player? No. <laughs> focus on the family. It's not just focus on the family. Who is it? Uh, a group called Ministry Watch pointed out that uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, run by Franklin Graham, mm-hmm. the crazy right-wing, like, not job Christian guy, they're a church now. So Franklin Graham's salary, meh. Like, we have some old stuff, old paperwork that suggests it's a ton, Uh like 700,000, something (laughs) ridiculous. Um, And again, I'm not even complaining about certain nonprofit leaders making a lot of money. Right. I'm not. That's not my concern here right now. But there's a bunch of Christian groups doing something like this. The Ravi Zacharias International Ministries is listed as a church. They have Gideon's International is filing as a church. And this is just a regular thing. I think uh, Campus Crusade for Christ or Crew, they're listed as a church. And like, again, you could kind of make an argument for some of these. Sure. But other ones are just trying to play some game. I mean, if there's no line, then where are we to say like, yeah, this is a church and this isn't. It feels pretty arbitrary at this point. Yeah, unless the IRS makes it clear, like, uh, their rules are written to be abused. And that's the fault. And it's being gutted right now, so, you know. So, that was the thing I wanted to point. Do you want a lighter story of evilness? I mean, it felt contradictory. Sure it is. Um, Here's the story. This is from this weekend. A lady in Pennsylvania was driving, and she said that she thought God was testing her, so she just drove on to oncoming traffic. Was she listening to the Carrie Underwood song? I don't think she was. I don't think she was. She just drove there. She assumed God would protect her so she wouldn't get hurt. What about other people on the road? Who cares? She crashed into somebody. Two people were injured. And according to the police reports... This woman, quote, expressed no concerns or remorse for the victims, dot, dot, dot. She didn't care if the other people were injured because God would have taken care of them. Fuck, dude. They had to go to the hospital, those two people. Is this woman, like, have a history of mental illness? I have no idea. I know nothing else about her. But I just want, like, the point of this is not that Christians all do this. Of course they don't. Of course. But it's... I mean, where else does this logic go? What if she said, God wants me to take out the semi-automatic weapon, and if I shoot people, like, I'm sure God will take care of them, whatever. said that. (laughs) Like, are we lucky that she, that's not what God told her in her mind? And also, apparently this woman, no pastor in this woman's orbit has ever said to people, hey, God isn't actually talking to you, so if you get some weird-ass message, say No. Don't yeah. listen to it. This is what happens when people tell you, no, if God sends you a message, follow it. Right. You should listen to what you think God is telling you. That's really sad. All of this, like, again, this is the problem with religion. It's not specific to one group, but mm-hmm. this is kind of the, yeah, this is an unusual story. Right, but, but if you extrapolate it out, it's where it gets you. This is you. where the logic of religion gets you. Now, she's been charged with aggravated assault, but who knows where this goes, because her lawyer is going to be, like, making... Some argument that no, sure. she wasn't. She wasn't really. And it's, doing it, it's also such a wild assertion because if she, if she said if she did get in a crash, 
God will take care of it as if people don't die in car accidents every single right. day. Right. But when she hits them, I'm sure it'll be okay. Yikes. Okay. That's not Here's good. a happy story for you. Yeah, that was That's, supposed to be a happy story. Yeah, I'm sorry. Here's the Christian moms. They're back. Oh, good. Wait, the one million moms? The one million moms uh-huh. slash three moms. <laughs> um, they were mad because... In August, we're just got to them now. Oh, okay. In August, Burger King began airing a commercial where they were feeding people the impossible burger, like the vegan uh-huh. plant-based burger, and they were just they were giving it to people, recording their reactions live. Uh-huh. And this one guy takes a bite out of the sandwich, the Whopper, and he's like, "Damn, that's good." And this is 2 seconds in a 38 second ad, something like that. Did and they that ju- cuz he said, "Damn?" Yes. They just no saw this shit. ad now, and they're mad because he said they didn't say "damn." They how oh, no no the, the D word, which took me friggin' forever like, to figure out what they were talking like about. Six year olds talk. I have seven other D words that are way worse than Name "damn." Them. Dick, dildo. Go on. Dynamite. No. No. I'm very tired. This is a child's show, so. <laughs> Here's what their here's what their <laughs> message said. The language in the commercial is offensive and it's sad that this once family restaurant, family friendly, I don't know, yeah. once family restaurant has made yet another deliberate decision to produce a controversial advertisement. They go on, they go on. When responding to the taste test, he didn't have to curse. <laughs> or if, in fact, it was a real and unscripted interview in which the man was not an actor, then Burger King could have simply chosen to edit the profanity out of the commercial. They say Burger the- King's Impossible Whopper ad is irresponsible and tasteless. In, which is a good play on words, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action movie from the 90s, Raphael yells damn like three different times. So that is the level of like G-rated language yeah. you're concerned about. I agree. Wow. Yep. I, I, I guess By I'm the just way, confused. these women have never read the Bible because do you know what's inside that book? Yeah. The no. genocide and rape and murder. But the guy who says damn because he ate a sandwich, that's too far. That is wild. That is, <laughs> even for them, that is a wild leap. Yeah. Like there's no, there's, there wasn't even any openly gay people in the commercial yeah. and they were still mad about it. I mean, that does explain why it took four months for it to cross their radar. <laughs> yes. They're so mad about the dumbest things. It's, um, <laughs> oh my God. All right. Here's a very serious story oh that I think we talked about before, but there was an update now. So I want to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Here's the setup. A couple of years ago, a U.S. representative uh, I believe Congresswoman Corinne Brown from Florida, a Democrat, by the way. She was on trial because she filed false tax returns, committed wire fraud, very serious stuff. Is this the same woman who skipped her first day of work to be on somebody's? Uh, no, different woman. Okay. I know who you're talking about. It's not her. But basically, she she did all this stuff, allegedly, really bad stuff. Um, she eventually resigned. I forgot when. But now she's on trial. Okay. Right? And it's a couple of years ago. And they had jury, a jury to deliberate on whether or not she was guilty of doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, they finish the case. Both sides make their case. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty one-sided from all the articles I've read. Like, this is the defense on her side. Like, they don't really have much of a defense here. So the jury, in theory, is going to, like, do this open and shut. It's sure. going to be fast. And suddenly, the judge gets a message from one of the jurors. It's juror 13 is the number. 
Um, he writes a message to the uh, person. I'm sorry. One of the jurors says that another juror that we are deliberating with here said, and I quote, a higher being told me Corinne Brown was not guilty on all charges. There's a little more to that, but that's the gist of it. Basically, one of the jurors in the room, if you're thinking like 12 Angry Men or whatever, uh-huh. is saying she's not guilty. And they're like, well, why do you think she's not guilty? Well, God already told me she's not guilty. And they would be like, well, let's talk about the evidence presented in the case we just listened to. And this person's like, no, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to pay attention to it. It doesn't matter what the prosecution had on her. Isn't that a microcosm of politics and religion? (laughs) Right. So this other juror sends a message to the judge like, what do we what do we do about this? Uh-huh. Like other members of the jury share my concerns about this. And there was actually a full transcript that you can read. We'll have the link in the notes where you have the judge and the lawyers for both sides having a discussion basically about what do you all want to do about this? Because mm-hmm. we all have to agree on what to do about this. The the uh, representative, Corinne Brown, uh-huh. her lawyer's argument is jurors can decide on a case however they want to decide on a case and it's not yeah well this is his job right yes he's like it's not my job to tell a juror how to make their decision and it's also not weird he says for a juror to say i let god guide me to my decision because again and there's part of me that's like i kind of get this argument he's saying look you're not There are plenty of Christians on juries everywhere. A lot of them could tell you, God steered me to go in this direction. That's why I chose my Yeah, but this person is also saying they're actively disregarding evidence. That's right. Which feels different than... If a Christian said, like, I was weighing a new job opportunity and Mm -hmm. I thought about all the pros and cons, but God pulled me in this direction, you might roll your eyes. But also, that's totally a way a lot of Christians act. Sure. So it's not weird to have that on a jury. Now, obviously, the other side's argument is not that this person's getting guidance from God. Uh That's not the issue. But that no evidence would even be considered. And if you're not going to consider the evidence, you shouldn't be on the jury. Then what are we doing? Right. And so you should read the transcript. If anyone gets a chance and you like this sort of thing, read that. It'll it'll restore your faith in the justice system for at least a minute. (laughs) Um, So basically, like the government has the view. Uh um, This is the uh, uh, I can't remember which side, like basically saying if she said I uh, God talked to me and said she's guilty and I'm going to go vote she's guilty. Apparently, the uh, the congresswoman's lawyer was saying, well, we would have to accept that as well, which is a thing they could say only because they knew it was not sure. what was being said. Now, she was basically, they brought the juror in for questioning, like, hey, we need to double check with you. Tell us what God is saying. And basically, she confirmed I'm she or he, I don't remember. But the juror confirmed everything everyone was saying. Like, I'm not going to look at any other evidence. Uh-huh. This woman is guilty, et cetera, et cetera. And the juror was kicked off of the jury. Hmm. Okay? That was it. It was dismissed. Juror 13 was dismissed. An alternate juror took that person's place. Mm -hmm. The jury began their deliberations again from scratch. I don't know how long they'd been going. And guess what? 11 hours later, which isn't crazy long in a big jury trial, 
The new jury said, yeah, that congresswoman is guilty Mm -hmm. on all counts except four, which is a ton of counts. Mm -hmm. And basically what that meant for this woman was 60 months in prison on top of paying back whatever she had taken, which is like $660,000. So it was a serious uh, verdict, serious punishment. Yeah. So her lawyer appeals the case, says, well, you just got rid of the juror that would have defended her. Like, you can't do that. It's not justice, all that. And this week, here's the update to this story. Okay. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, the next higher up court, had to basically say, did, did they do anything wrong here? Sure. Do they need to do a retrial? Was it unfair? Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they said... No, everyone acted the way they should have. There was nothing wrong with dismissing that juror. Yeah. They said the court acted properly. Uh-huh. Justice was served. There was nothing unfair. Um, and they said, in this is what they wrote, if in fact a juror was actually not deliberating and considering the evidence, that would present a serious problem. Yeah, since it would violate their job. Yeah, it would violate the party's right to receive a verdict rendered by a jury that follows the law. Mm-hmm. They said the district court did not abuse its discretion. Um, another judge said the decision to dismiss the juror is not an abuse of discretion. Uh-huh. The only judge who dissented was a guy named William Pryor, who's a George W. Bush appointee, hmm. who basically made the argument, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's not our job to say the ju- the juror made their decision for a dumb reason, so we need to excuse this person. Not our job, because yeah, then I don't think I agree he went that. further and he said, like, he implied, like, you're never going to choose a Christian then at all, which is totally not what anyone was saying. Yeah. But anyway, I, so that's a good verdict. Like, they yes. said justice was served. They were right to kick out that juror. Mm-hmm. But now the response from a lot of conservative circles has just been, no, they basically kicked this woman out for being Christian. Religious discrimination. It happens every day against Christians. Yeah, it's I know. the true tragedy of our nation. <sighs> so I just want to like, they made the right move. It was a, it's one of the rare times these years where uh-huh. it's like, oh, look, even a higher court made the right decision yeah, in affirming that one. And so, yay, maybe. I guess. I guess. Ugh. Uh, Oh, I have a genuinely happy story for you. You're going to like this one. Okay. Okay. Um, It was the first meeting of the year uh, recently for the town of Enfield, New York's town board. So local government, they have a couple new members. Mm -hmm. And one of the people who just got sworn in, her name is Stephanie Redmond. And they just had their first meeting. And they were discussing, like, who has new things they want to bring up. Mm -hmm. And so she's, it was a five-member board, by the way. She's one of five. And her argument, she said, she wanted to remove God from the Pledge of Allegiance when they say it. And she said things we've all talked about before. We are an inclusive town, and saying Mm -hmm. God in the Pledge of Allegiance is not inclusive. Right. Um, So we should basically get rid of it. And there was one guy on the board. uh, I think the other new guy. There were two new people, Uh Stephanie Redman, this one making this argument, and one other guy. This other guy's like, you're opening up a Pandora's box of problems. You are going to be targeted by everyone in this county as a basically irreligious town board. (laughs) And I think that would be unproductive for this town board. What was Stephanie Redman's response? Tell me. I think it would be wonderful. I'm totally willing to go on the f- to, to the floor on this. Whoa, 
yes. <laughs> Basically, like, who cares? I don't care if people get mad at me. This is worth fighting for. Good for her. The other women on the board start talking about this. <laughs> and at one point, someone asked the question, like, well, has any other local town done something like this? Uh-huh. And another councilwoman chimes in, uh, Mimi Mahaffey. She basically laughs in the audio. We would be the first. Like laughs that she's excited about she's it? She's super excited oh about God. it. And basically, they, they then decided, you know what? Let's not take out the word God. That might be like a, a thing we don't want to do. People will get mad for the wrong reasons. One nation under the God of your choosing. Yeah, right. They were like, we don't want to <laughs> alter the pledge. Yeah. Let's just get rid of the pledge altogether. Because that you. would actually be less controversial than trying to change, get rid of God. Change back the yeah. pledge. Yeah, right. Like revert it to an old version of it. And so the vote was four to one to get rid of the pledge. Yes. The one being the one guy who was like the old whatever you want to call them about it. And all of this, this whole conversation, 10 minutes, not even. They got really? rid of the pledge and laughed it off in 10 minutes. Like, that is impressive work. That's wonderful. Dude, they are awesome over there. So I hope the rest of the, I don't know what other decisions they make, but part of me is like, I hope they make good decisions because they made this one really yeah, important. Where is this in New York? Is this Enfield, like- New York, which don't ask me where it is. I don't okay. know. I'm just curious if it's like <laughs> a suburb of New York City. Or I don't, I don't think it's that close, um, but Okay, let's go back to sad story, because, like I said, states are back in session, and lawmakers are proposing these bills. Here's a weird one out of Missouri. A Missouri Republican, his name is Ben Baker. He's a state uh, state representative. Here's his idea. He wants to find a way to block kids from checking out books in the library that he thinks are inappropriate. And he's trying to figure out, how can I do this legally so that I don't violate the First Amendment? How can I do it? Because I can't just ban a book from his where he's sitting. So here's his proposal. Sorry, did you say this is a school board? No, this is the state board. Like, oh, he's a state representative nice. filing a bill that would block any library in the state from loaning out certain books to kids. Oh and God. here's his plan. He says every public library in the state. By the way, this is uh, House Bill 2044, if you want to look it up. He said every public library would have to create a five-member parental library review board Via an election, everyone would serve for two years. Those parents would then get to decide what's age-inappropriate sexual material. Oh, what? They get to decide. And then kids could not check out those books. And if every any librarian violated that rule by letting the kid check out whatever book was on the no-go list, yeah. it could be either a $500 fine or up to $500 or a year in jail for the librarian. God, this is dystopian. Dude, so in theory, mm-hmm. and this is me speculating, but it does fit, mm-hmm. you could have a conservative community that mm-hmm. elects a conservative Christian parental review board that says, well, Heather has two mommies, the kids' book, uh-huh. about lesbian parents. That's sexually inappropriate. Right. Let's put that on the censorship list. And if a librarian says, no, the book is fine, kid. If you want to check it out, go check it out. They could put that librarian in jail for a year. Um, and it's specific to 
sexual it yes shit? it is specific or is it to bleed sexual into, like, stuff we're gonna be in harry potter um i i wonder the exact same thing but the bill says sexual inappropriateness which is code christian code for Forget lgbtq it, yeah. stuff now that said i can here's my way of defeating this bill you just get school. You just get a liberal area right. saying, "Well, we're going to ban everything Bible related because <laughs> that has rape and incest yeah. and all that sort of stuff." So if it's related to the Bible, it's going on the yeah. censorship list. And all thanks to Ben Baker, the Christian politician. By the way, I did ask him that personally. Uh-huh. Uh, he, I reached out to him. I'm like, I just want to know: Are you okay with the Bible getting banned? I haven't heard back from him what? for some reason. He responded to my earlier question about mm. general things, but like he didn't respond to that one. Who knows? This is the same guy, by the way, who tried defending a giant Christian cross on public property. Last year, he filed a bill to have elective Bible classes in school. It actually passed the state house. It just died in the state Senate. Oh, okay. Um, and now he's just trying to find a loophole to, to jail librarians for... <sighs> For giving kids knowledge that he doesn't think they should have. Because, again, when you're a conservative Christian, knowledge is the enemy, mm-hmm. and you want to block kids from learning how to think. Isn't it fucking wild to see how the pattern, which has always been there, but is emerging more and more, that the in order to hold on to conservatism of any stripe, it means making sure people either don't have a voice so they can't vote, don't have knowledge so they can't learn about anything like it's so nefarious and so like obvious on its face what they're trying to do because I feel like one would think that if you have a kid who you raised in your religion that no matter what they read or what they encounter who they meet they have given this kid like the roots they need to ward off the gays or whatever, or you know, cons- or if not, barring that, just cons- continue to kind of walk the straight and narrow. And it's so telling that this fear of anybody accessing any kind of knowledge that is outside of their specific worldview and specific teachings <laughs> is a fundamental threat to yeah. what they believe in, and that's. It's like saying if you learn about sex education, comprehensive sex ed, like for real, if you learn about it, well, then kids are going to want to do it. It's like, first of all, you've never been me in high school. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how it works for like anybody. (laughs) Most of us. Most people. Sure. Probably most people. Definitely two out of the two people in this podcast. (laughs) I think that probably applies to podcast hosts. (laughs) In general, but I'll give you that one. But this idea that if you learn about it, yeah. that's somehow going to be bad. Well, and I and it's I just think ridiculous. what's interesting is kind of the flip side of it is because I I want to make sure I'm not being intellectually dishonest because I do think like people probably shouldn't read Breitbart, but I think also the difference is seeking out real knowledge that exists and is scientifically based and reflects the real world we're living in is not the same as a conservative propaganda site. Right. And again, even if you want to read it, read it. I'm not, I'm afraid of you like learning the wrong stuff, but I'm not afraid of you getting exposed to it. Because, again, I, I, I know more atheists who are perfectly fine with letting kids read the Bible because it's like, no, I want you to see how batshit crazy well, this is. And I would argue a lot of atheists I know are 
interested or or would encourage religious education, not in a like here's the Bible and here's everything I have to know, but like this is what Christianity is, this is the tenets, right. this is what Islam is, these are the tenets, and like. Uh, th- th- that is not a fear of mine. Like right. I'm sure knowledge if, is not a thing to fear. Yeah, I'm sure if your kids went to church, you wouldn't like fucking blow a gasket over it. Right, you would be able to. Open no, a let's talk about this. This is going to be fun. I let them go to I, my oldest goes to Sunday school for my parents' religion. It's like no, it's fine. You want a babysitter for a couple hours? Yeah. Take it. It's fine. I'm not worried. No, absolutely not. And like, and I think there is. I mean, I've definitely heard stories of boundaries being crossed of like yes. I'm not worried about that so right. it's easier for right. me to make this decision but, but like yeah if if you're you know you aren't going to like ban your kid from going to like a catholic service because right. like what if she especially hears something especially if, the, if she wants to go well and especially the best way to not become a catholic is to go to a catholic service because that right. shit is boring <laughs> I would say like okay if this ends up passing and you have a board in addition to just banning the bible or something for the same stupid reasons right I hope every town that does this publishes the list of which books got censored because, man, if you want to get kids to read those oh books, nothing would do more than that. I mean, we already have banned books book week. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just I, how can you be on this? How can you have seen a history? How can you have ever read a book and be like, you know what the answer to this is? Restrict the information kids right. have access well, to. Like, you're literally the villain in Fahrenheit 451. Like, right. what are you doing? Unless you're this sort of conservative Republican that doesn't care about history, never read history, doesn't know about history, but and like, has no knowledge <laughs> of, like, history repeating itself. Or they or they read 1984, and they're like, hmm... They had some right. Good you sympathize with the wrong characters in that book. Super plus good ideas. <laughs> um, I got one last one for you, and basically, it happened earlier this week, but we hadn't had a chance to talk about it. Yeah, the Trump administration uh, issued. We got so far without talking. I about know Trump. they issued a statement basically uh, this week because he's trying to distract from the impeachment, mm-hmm. uh, saying, "I am strengthening." I'm not quoting here. Strengthening students' right to pray at school. And he's like, I'm going to make it easier to do that. We're going to protect the constitutional rights of students who want to pray. Which they have. Which they have. Hell like, I again, have. basically Trump is saying, I want to take credit for this thing you can already do. Um, but at the same time, conservative Christians are dumb enough to say, you've done something good for our community, even though he hasn't done anything. Um, He said the education department, this is Betsy DeVos here, the education department also plans to issue guidance that will require local school districts to certify that they have no rules or regulation that conflict with students' right to pray at school, which they could all fill out. It's just a waste of their time. Mm -hmm. It will also require states to notify the education department if there are complaints against the school district regarding the right to pray, which again is weird because what's stopping conservative Christians from just saying, well, they tried praying on the football field and the coach was involved, and I'm mad because the school said no. Yeah. Betsy DeVos says, I want you to tell me about that, even though the school is doing exactly what it should be doing in that you, case. Because the, the issue is not students praying on their own. No one is getting in the way of that. Certainly no atheist or church state separation group is getting in the way of that. The only issue time this ever comes up is when they're using like the public address system, which is the school's equipment, and therefore got the government voice in a Mm -hmm. sense to spread their religious propaganda Mm -hmm. or you have a coach doing it on the field and it's 
pressuring kids to come along with it, mm-hmm. go along with it, or you have teachers doing it in the classroom. That's where it crosses the line. Yeah. That's what 100%. we're fighting about. But Trump and all the conservative Christians surrounding him are basically saying, no, the fight is about whether kids are allowed to pray at all and people are trying to stop you. No, they're not. They never have. It's an entire God's not dead sort of (laughs) religious fiction (laughs) of let's just make up a problem that doesn't exist and pretend like this is a persecution issue because they have no actual persecution problems to resolve. There's a uh, Facebook tag group that I'm quite fond of that says like, Breaking news, man invents fictional scenario and then gets angry about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just stuff like that. I'm like, kids these days can't pray. Aren't we at rage? Like, they super hella can. Yeah. Um, Was that your last? Uh, That's enough. I will say uh, American atheists uh, and many other groups chimed in and basically saying... the Trump is just proving how opposed to religious equality it is. They are doling out spoils to Christian nationalists to solidify mm-hmm. his base mm-hmm. for the 2020 election. Um, but all of this is just ridiculous. They also wanted to make sure there would be no restrictions on Christian groups receiving public funding to form like a club, which again, that's never a problem. The only time it's a problem is when a group says we want funding from our public university to run our group. Mm-hmm. And also gay people can't be presidents of our group, yeah, yeah. which is a separate issue. It has nothing to do with like their bed, faith. It's nine o'clock and Mikey's going to bed. It's how we'd roll what in my is? house too, man. Um, so <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Um, and I would also add, like, there is no way this administration would ever care if they issued the same proclamation about protecting persecuted Muslims. Mm-hmm. They, in theory, they could say all the same stuff because oh, that's yeah. their idea, right? This is about religious yeah. liberty. But they wouldn't because this isn't about anyone who's not Christian. Yeah, I don't know. And like, ugh, I don't even want to dig into that. Um I was going through some stuff today, and I realized tomorrow is the uh, third anniversary of Trump being inaugurated. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I would like to do a quick, because I didn't bring any notes to the table, because I was in California up until like 25 minutes ago. Um, so I look back to the 2016 election, like the night of the election, mm-hmm. the you know lame duck time between the election and, and inauguration. And I feel like I was being, like, really dramatic, which, again, is sort of, like, my jam. But, like, very, like, end of the world. Like, this is fucking it. And in hindsight, I think it's worse than I thought it would be. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to know your thoughts on that. Like, has it been worse since what I imagined? So, like, you know, 2016 election happens. You wake up the next day and you're dealing with everything, right? Like the, you know, the vacant Supreme Court seat, Mm -hmm. what it means to have this, like, straight-up racist in office. Mm -hmm. And I was so scared and so concerned and uh, just, like, kind of it felt very adrift that I lost anything that was mooring me to, to anything real or good. And I think there has been an element of the, like, you know, boiling a frog of you just slowly turn the temperature up. But I think I underreacted. And it's and it's so funny because people were acting like we we as liberals, we as champions of women's rights, of gay rights, were, were being overly dramatic and overreacting. But we're seeing everything 
fall right into place the way we expected. We saw the transmilitary ban. We're mm-hmm. seeing challenges to Roe. We're seeing challenges to birth control. We're seeing challenges to basically any brown poop person who wants to exist. Right. To immigrants. I, I, while I would not have guessed all the specifics, and I'm not saying this in an arrogant, I'm not trying to say this in an arrogant sort of way. Mm-hmm. No, I totally knew it would be bad. <laughs> and I'll tell you a few things like courts. I know how the right takes it seriously. And I knew Mitch McConnell would just speed through everyone they could. Yeah. The fact that they've been able to be so good at it, I guess, was a surprise. But yeah. I, that's what Republicans do. I'm not surprised that Republicans have fallen in line with Trump. because I, I think that surprised me. I, they've always been I know, horrible but, as a party. Like every is, stereotype I ever had of Republicans. They constantly which I, prove true. Yeah. Like I was never wrong about them to begin with. Right. It was a corrupt like value free party. Yeah. They've always been like, we'll just go wherever the power is. Mm-hmm. And like, they have no actual beliefs. Yeah. It's like conservative Christians. Like you, the, Jesus is a cover story for all the shit they actually want to wh- do. White supremacy. <laughs> yes. Uh, persecuting women and gay people mm-hmm. and all that stuff. They don't actually care about any of the stuff they claim to talk about. So yeah. I'm not surprised by any of that. So like what bothers me is that I don't think enough Democrats ever realize and this bothers me about the candidates now i don't think they realize how bad the problem is so when you see see someone like joe biden the moderates in the democratic field mm-hmm. relative moderates i should say mm-hmm. so like Buttigieg and biden would i vote for them yeah if i had to fine sure but like when they are like no i'll work with the republicans it's like you're too dumb to realize what's in front of you because they're not going to work with you or we're going to have a court system where like we'll have everyone agree on some people they're not going to agree with you do you think that's not genuine, how it works do you think they're genuinely naive or do you think that they are in denial or do, the, do you think that they think they're different? Uh, I, I honestly do think it's, they're different. I think Joe Biden thinks like, I'm the guy who can get this done. I think Obama did too. He's like, mm-hmm. when I'm in, if, if you elect me president, because I'm so different uh-huh. from tradition, I'll get more shit done than you think. And he totally underestimated how mm-hmm. Republicans would react. And again, if you're a student of recent history, yeah. You should not have been taken aback by any of that. What do you th- you think Republicans are going to work with you? They're not going to meet you in the middle. They mm-hmm. never have. So why would you think like with a new person in charge mm-hmm. or someone who's moderate and like, oh, if Bernie's in charge, they're not going to talk to him. But if Biden yeah, wins the, the nomination, you think they're suddenly. going to? Yeah. No, they'll walk all over you. It's one of the reasons I like. Elizabeth Warren, because like she knows they're a corrupt party. Yeah. Bernie is the same way. Yeah. And again, I'll vote for Biden if I have to because I'm not an idiot. Right. But like at least they have the ability to tell us what the issue is. Like she's not pretending like Mitch McConnell's going to work with her. She knows damn well, no, I need the Senate and I need every state. Like, I need the state legislature, so I need to campaign for state-level candidates, too, Mm -hmm. because we need to stop the gerrymandering, because that's part of the problem as well. So, like, Obama totally ignored state-level parties. He didn't grasp the depth of the problem. Mm -hmm. Biden doesn't still get the depth of the problem. Buttigieg, I, I feel like he knows it, but his only chance is pretending to be a moderate. Yeah. 
So, like, he'll play along with it. But it's like, you're too smart to know. And you're young. You're our age. You've never mm-hmm. lived in a world where Republicans have been the party of sanity. Yes. So, like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. That's what bothers So, I'm not surprised by whatever has happened. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, the racism is there and the white supremacy and the courts and everything they're doing within the courts. And, of course, abortion is going to be, like, mm-hmm. federally overturned. I, like, Claire, here's what's going to happen. By the end of June, Clarence Thomas is going to announce his retirement because he's old Mm -hmm. and Republicans are going to ignore whatever they did with Merrick Garland. Mm -hmm. They will ram through the youngest, dumbest Republican they can squeeze through Mm -hmm. in a month. They're not. They have the numbers more than they had with Kavanaugh. They will squeeze through Amy Barrett, uh, Comey or whoever it was or William Pryor, that dissenter in that case. He's also on that short list. They'll squeeze him through. Uh, and just to do it because they can, they don't care. Yeah. It's a corrupt party. What do you want? Yeah. And like, I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. Clarence Thomas, too, as much as I hate him, he knows damn well June is his last chance to retire mm-hmm. and get another person to take his spot to keep everything in line. Yeah, I don't I don't know how confident anybody is in a re-election of Trump. And I don't think they, uh, nor would I, I think they, would they risk that? Yeah. And by the way, Democrats, like Trump is going to win re-election, like unless people get their shit together, yeah. which I don't have confidence in Democrats to get their shit together because they think like, well, he's been so bad, people will come to their senses. No, people are dumb. Mm-hmm. Not like book smart sort of thing, like just Americans in general. We are not a smart people. They are going to reelect him because racism fuels his side mm-hmm. and nothing seems to fuel liberals. Yeah. So like unless you have someone who can get people off their butts who wouldn't normally vote, you're mm-hmm. not going to win over moderates. Stop trying to play to the middle. Yeah. I, uh, Do you want me to keep talking? I no, keep talking. it's fine. I was at the uh, the hotel bar last night before, um, before I went to bed and was chatting with this with a bartender who is a black guy from the South and a felon. So he doesn't have voting rights. Mm. And somebody at the bar said, cause we were talking about politics cause fucking obviously I'd had a glass and a half of wine. And I just wanted to yell. That's not sure. Somebody else brought it up, but all that's to say is somebody was like, Oh, ask, I don't remember the guy's mm-hmm. name, Chris, what his, what his views on Trump are. Someone said this of the bartender of the bartender. Uh-huh. And this guy said, well, I can't vote. But I would have voted for Trump. Uh-huh. And it's literally exactly what this I've never met this actual person, but he was literally like, I think both parties are bullshit. And right. I thought bringing Trump in would like shake him up and teach him a lesson and like basically salt the fucking earth. Right. And I and it shows such a complete ignorance of anything that's happened, which, again, I know not everyone follows politics no, and stuff. But, but just this conversation it's not a value that I judgment had that I, of you. Right. Like, I you really know. tried very hard to be like, OK, well, the Democrats are the ones who want to restore your right to right. vote. Doesn't that mean anything to you? And like, even if you personally aren't affected positively by whatever next president comes in. Don't you want the most good for the most people? And he's like, no, I'll give a fuck. Right. Right. I mean, and that's I, a typical thing. Like, and it is so You don't need to go to a unreal. diner in Iowa to figure that out. It's, that's how most people think. I know people who listen to a podcast like this pay attention to politics. Right. Most people don't. Pay, no, most people don't know who the candidates are. Right. So and, like, and I think we all do cloak ourselves so much in like. 
not cloak ourselves, but sort of drape mm-hmm. ourselves and everybody, all we're doing is breathing and living politics because it feels there like was, um, the only thing that matters. I don't know if you saw this. There was an issue this week where someone asked Martha McSally, who took John McCain's seat because she was appointed to it, like, hey, what about witnesses for the Senate trial because uh-huh. you're a senator? Totally normal question. And she says to the guy who works at CNN, you're a liberal hack. And oh, that got okay. a lot that, of airplay That one did break through my... Yeah. And so basically, like, shield. what I was surprised by is that anyone's surprised by that. Like, why would you think she wouldn't say that? She's a Republican, like, from Arizona. I don't care if you thought she was moderate. Well, there are no moderate Republicans running in this race anymore because they're not going to win. So they don't do it. And they don't have ethics. So, like, yes. they're just going to go to wherever the votes are. So, like, who is dumb enough to be surprised that she's a horrible and person? And also, there have been, and we see it with Trump, we see it with McConnell, and we see it with everybody on the right. By the way, the, Laura Ingraham, the conservative, uh-huh. she also asked the same question to Martha McSally. And? And she didn't call her a liberal hack. What? I can't believe it. Um, is, uh, I, I, I think my main concern is that there heretofore have been no meaningful consequences. And yes, I understand that Trump got impeached. And that is something that is going to be a black mark on his presidency forever. It's going yeah, to be for a big fucking... for people who read about history and care about things like asterisk. that. To everyone else, no one will care. However, in his view... There haven't really been any consequences because no. what's that going to affect on, on his day to day? He won't get consequences until he's out of office, and then everyone even can go then. after him. And even then, I don't think um, he will. And yeah, like I, I, you know, a question I haven't heard in any debate, like when he's out of office, if he's out of office, are you going to prosecute all these people who committed crimes during the Trump administration? <laughs> Instead of just like, nope, I'm going to pardon everybody. Let's move forward. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's think. Let's not think in the past. Like, which is you know, Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg is like, no, course. we have to move forward. Think about oh, what happens the day after. Which has historically happened. And that right. just means that. And that'd that, be the dumbest, stupid. Yeah. Oh. And which just means that, like, people go to, like, white collar jail and play squash for a couple months mm-hmm. and then move on with their life and make a million dollars per right. speech. Um, uh, by the way, listen to most of you. And that includes us. Uh-huh. Most of our candidates who we like in the Democratic primary are not going to win. If you're not going to vote for that person because you have personal philosophical issues, mm-hmm. like, again, don't like Biden. We'll vote for him. Right. But if you're going to say, nope, I like Bernie, so I'm not going to vote for Warren or vice versa or anything else like that. How much do you have to hate all these other people that you're willing to throw under the bus mm-hmm. so that Trump gets yeah, elected again. And the other like, thing that's man, how ignorant and hateful you have to be to be that dumb to say it's not my favorite person. Right. So yeah, let the world. But it's like that bartender. Yeah. Like let the world fucking burn. If you're ignorant, fine. That's not an excuse. But like, I get ignorance. But the people who follow this stuff and they're like, well, I don't love the candidate, and they're not doing enough mm-hmm. for me. It's like, how well, much do you not care about the people? Who right. Affected and by this. the one other thing that got through my news shield this week was the thing that was happening between uh, uh, Bernie and Elizabeth about some stupid how topic. he what he said he didn't think a woman could win, and like and and then he denied. He's it, not like, saying she shouldn't win. He's saying there's a chance she that's can't the thing, win, like, which is true by the, the way. Like, and they said that about a black man too until one does until somebody did. But like the way people are like going after Elizabeth Warren to me is a wild thing because like I don't doubt for a fucking second that he said that because 
historically that has been extraordinarily true. Like, yes, the given the electoral college and how it works, it's sort of a fucking shit show, but like, yeah, historically women haven't done super great in politics. If you've been paying attention right. and Bernie is the first one to say that Hillary Clinton got way more votes yes. than Donald Trump. Yeah. That's not the issue here, but whatever it's, it's a fight that people are starting and pouring fuel on because yeah. they want to see liberals fight. Because the best thing for Donald Trump is for liberals not to unite behind any candidate. And we're so good at that. We're so good at that. We're yes. so, and like, I get, I do. And especially when you're coming from like, and if the environment is your A number one issue, which I I think is smart and great and, a, and an important thing to focus on. They are sort of, they, we are sort of living in this reality of like, if we don't change something in this upcoming election, then we're fucked and there aren't that many candidates who are going to make the changes that we see need to be made. So I get that. I get this sort of panic that's happening of like, we're not doing, we're not doing anything right now. And if we elect a, a Joe Biden in 2020, we're not going to do nearly fucking enough. Mm-hmm. So like, it's very easy to throw your hands and be like, what's the fucking point? Yeah. I, this is the argument for the Bernie or Warren side of the party, which yeah. is, I don't care if you don't win over moderates, you're going to get way more of the activists excited and right. interested. Right. And that enthusiasm, as Obama learned, knew mm-hmm. that enthusiasm spreads way farther. Than, and Trump knows it too. Right. If you get the racists riled up, that is inspiring to them. They will totally rally behind the racist guy. Right. So, For like, sure. play it up. Why not? What are you going to lose? The moderates? They're, no, it doesn't matter. Because yeah. a bunch of people are like, what? Politics? I don't care. I don't vote. Why would I vote? Yeah. Trump knows I, that. And I'm genuinely, and maybe this is defeatist of me, but I'm genuinely of the feeling of, like, if somebody still in January 2020 is pro-Trump or okay with Trump, like... I don't know what to say to get you to change your mind. So, like, yeah. it feels very lost cause Um, One last thing before we go. Um, did you see any of the no- the Oscar-nominated movies uh, yeah, this year? Maybe some, kind of, sort of. So, um, this is something, and I brought it up in my interviews, because the, uh, the nominations came out on Monday, which is when I, I flew to L.A., so that was sort of on the top of every, you know, on the tip of everybody's tongue. Um, and we sort of have another Oscar so white situation. And, um, I have been, so my husband is a like ride or die movie guy. Like he absolutely loves movies. He has a pass that he pays like 20 bucks a month and can see as many movies as he wants. So as a virtue of being married to this man, <laughs> I end up seeing more movies than I otherwise would. So I've seen seven out of the 10 best picture nominations. Um, and some of the things that came out this year were so extraordinary and got snubbed. And we, Mikey and I have made the conscious effort of, trying to see movies that we're not, that we are not the intended audience for (laughs) because that's the only way those movies are going to keep getting made. So even if it's like something we're not like super like the, um, the boss, I think it's called one of the Tiffany, the new Tiffany Haddish and Rose Byrne movie with Selma Hayek. Neither of us is like stoked to see it, but we're like, fuck, it's a female led comedy. It's got two women of color on the lead. Like we're going to put our money there because we think those movies deserve to keep being made. 
They're not going to if they didn't, don't do well at the box office. All that to be said, so the um, the Best Picture nominees, I'm going to run through them really quick. Ford vs. Ferrari, Irishman, Joker. Those are the three I didn't see because I have a sense of self-preservation, mm-hmm. and I don't need to see any more white men stories. Um, the rest of uh, Jojo Rabbit, loved. Little Women, loved. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, although a white man story, was pretty good also. Um, Marriage Story, Rich White People, also pretty good. Parasite was fucking incredible. Have you? Yeah, I haven't seen it. It is a mind fuck. Oh, Wikipedia read it. Wikipedia read it. I, that's how I'm doing everything these days. Oh wow! You're I read the summary. I read the plot details. That's too bad because I went into it. Don't got two hours. Come on. <laughs> I went into it literally knowing nothing. That's how I also read Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. What was your major in college? Pre med? Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> 1917 is actually the other one I didn't see because I will not see war movies. Um, but there are just some real glaring um, things that are left out. Uh, Queen and Slim. Do you know anything about that movie? Yes. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> fuck. Well, I can't. Think I, of, I cannot think of the actors, but it's the one guy who's from. Um, he was in Get Out. He's been in a lot of other shit. He was in um, uh, Black Panther as well. I cannot think of his name. He's a British actor. Him and a woman. It's essentially a Bonnie and Clyde story, but it's two black Daniel people. Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. Jody Turner-Smith. It was, she was extraordinary. And I, this is, what I think, one of her first roles. It was an extraordinary movie. It was a movie that like I couldn't speak for a full 10 minutes after I left the theater because it was, it was just so full of it was incredible. Us is another one that I genuinely us might be one of my favorite movie going experiences of all time. Because again, I, I try very hard not to like learn too much about anything before I go see a movie. Cause I like to be surprised. I knew nothing about us and boy, Oh boy, I almost <laughs> fell out of my fucking chair. I was so scared. And, and it's just going to talk to me. I could have told you the ending. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the ending isn't the scary part oh, if I'm okay. being honest. Um, but just like, there are these incredible movies told by, and, um, the fuck, what's it called? What was the one that Aquafina won for? The, um, not the departed, but it's the grandmother story. Yes. Uh, it's basically about dealing with the grandmother facing death, mm-hmm. which I didn't see cause I really, really struggle with those kind of stories. She won the golden globe for it. Snubbed on an Oscar. That movie didn't get nominated for it. <sighs> It's not the departed because I know that's the, the Scorsese. farewell. The farewell. <laughs> I knew that's a Scorsese movie, but that was the only thing that was in my head. Um, but anyway, I guess my point is um, I have made a very strong effort to to branch out from. And like, yeah, I saw whatever garbage Marvel. Movie, it was fine. The Marvel movie that came out this year and and shit like that. But I am trying very hard to branch out and hear stories that aren't intended for me. Um, when They See Us was another one, which I think that was snubbed specifically at the Golden Globes. I can't remember. I thought they were going to try to submit it as a movie at some point, but that could be wrong. Um, so that like she was, she was snubbed completely at the Oscars. We saw, we have almost all white men. It's all men who got nominated for directing. It's just really fucking exhausting. Like I'm, and it makes, and I probably will watch the, Oscars, maybe not, but like, I think all it's doing is making the Oscars less relevant because who gives a fuck? Like, because it's all old white dudes voting and they don't care about us. They don't, not us, you and me, 
specifically also you and me, but the Bermudas. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about Queen and Slim because that's not a story that is specifically about them. And I don't know. And the fact that, um, oh, Christ, what's her name? Um, uh, Lady Bird and Little Women, and her name is Greta, Greta Gerwig. The fact that she didn't get nominated for Little Women is a fucking crime because she adapted a story that's been adapted a million times and did it in such a fresh and original way. I left the theater and I said to Mikey, what if that's the only movie I watch for the rest of my life? <laughs> it was such a joy and such a, a strong sweep of emotions and it was authentic and the way they she built the relationship with the sisters and the mother was something I don't often see on screen of like the way girls kind of are together they they tumble over each other and they talk over each other and they're silly and carefree um anyway all that's to say fuck the oscars go see queen slim <laughs> go see parasite parasite is a mind fuck it really Oof. We and we just saw it a couple of weeks ago. We didn't see it in 2019 because we're monsters. That's but what I've heard. It's very slash good. red. And <laughs> do you like wait when the Oscar noms come out? Do you like go and read all of the Wikipedia and everything? Yes. Really? Yes. Because you want to be part of the conversation? No. You think I want conversations with people? Not the no. literal conversation, the I just cultural need, conversation. No, I just need to know some shit. I got a week to learn stuff. Oh my god, you're going to <laughs> LA next week. It's the only reason I care. Huh. I will forget about all these movies. When are you back? Are we gonna be able to record our regular yeah. time? Oh my god. And you won't be able to tell me anything. I'll tell you nothing. It's gonna be awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, great for you, awful for me. And no, that's it could be what awful we for all both of us. Who knows? <laughs> Good times. Okay. Well, I'm next going to bed. week it is. Yep, I will see Bye. you next week. Bye.